The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God for the sermon this morning is found in Romans chapter 10. It's from Romans chapter 15. We're on page 10 if you'd like to follow along. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, the one who will arise, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, The Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the word of the Lord. Not long ago, I heard about a study that was conducted at the University of Cologne in Germany. And in this study, the participants were asked to play really a very simple game. They sometimes have these games where you have to make the ball line up with a little hole. And there was 36 of these little balls that the participants would have to roll into 36 separate holes. And usually this is what happened when the researchers told the participants to begin this little game. They would just say, go. And so the participants would go and they would get into the game and they would time it. And they found that it took the average person about you know, five to six minutes to complete the game. 
The researchers, however, discovered something very interesting as they did this, as, as they did this study. They found that two words could almost always in, inevitably change the results of the study. If they said, go, good luck, those are the two words, good luck, then on average the participants took three minutes to get all 36 balls into the holes. Now, they concluded this. This is what the researchers said. That when they added the, 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 the English equivalent of good luck, because remember this is in Germany, they activated a superstitious belief that made them confident in the task. Now, not everyone agrees with, with that conclusion. Because there's this question, well, well, why is it that two little words could really change the results incredibly? Another person looked at that same study and they concluded this. It was a Christian person. God has designed us to give and receive encouragement. In other words, it wasn't superstition that made them do better in the study. It was two little words of encouragement. Today, I want to talk to you about encouragement. And as you look at the world today, I think that you can find three kinds of encouragement. One kind of encouragement is called what I'll call the critic. It's really not encouragement at all. And this is, I think, what we find most often in the world, where Someone comes to you and they just have nothing good to say. They just criticize you. They, they tear you down. They make sure that you know that you need to change, that you're doing this wrong, that you messed up. This is, this is what we might call the critic. And I can give lots of examples of this. And I think you've, you've experienced this in your life. There's the Facebook post. And you know the one I'm talking about. Because it tore you down. Or, or there's this. The email that shows up in your inbox. And you know the one that I'm talking about. Because it's that, e that kind of email that makes you wake up in the morning and wonder, you know, what kind of email am I going to get today? This is the kind of encouragement that we have in the world. The encouragement that we might call a critic. Now, there's another kind of encourager, and I, I want you to meet someone that we might call the partisan encourager. And we see this a lot in the world today, too. This is a, this is a person that sees the world in, in black and white. They, there are enemies and there are friends. There, there, are, there are conservatives and there are liberals. The, the world is literally divided in two, and... So for the partisan encourager, there are people that they will actively encourage, and then there's people that they will actually actively try to destroy with their words. And really, Jesus would call it murder with their words. 
There's that kind of encouragement in the world. We might call it the partisan encourager. There's a third kind of encourager, too. And this we might call the hallmark encourager. And I think, sadly to say, this is where most, most Christians are. They, are. they are hallmark card encouragers. In other words, they say warm things, they say nice things, but they're not really encouragements. And I'll give you one really extreme example of this. I've seen Christians do that. I've walked, I've walked I, I can remember walking into a, to a hospital room and there was a dying Christian there. And this woman calls someone over to her bedside and she says, I'm dying and I want you to do this for me. And you know what this, this well-meaning Christian says? She says, no, you're not dying. You're going to make it. But all of us standing in the room there, and including the dying woman, knew the truth. Her body was filled with cancer. She wasn't going to make it. You know, it's a nice thought. It's very warm. It's like a hallmark encourager, but really, it's an empty lie. This is the hallmark encourager. And so we have the critic... (laughs) We have the partisan encourager. We have the Hallmark called card encourager. I would say that 99% of the encourager, encouragement that happens in the world falls into one of these three categories, and that's kind of sad. It's no wonder then, it's no wonder then that there's so much discouragement this time of year. Now, I've got some good news for you. (laughs) I have some encouragement for you this morning. During the season of Advent, we are going through this sermon series called, called The Gifts of Advent. Because you see, Jesus doesn't wait. He, He doesn't wait until Christmas to give to us His gifts. And already last week, we saw that, that Jesus gave to us the gift of understanding the times. Remember this? Understanding the salvation times, reading the salvation clock. Now, today, he's going to give to us in, in a pregnant sense, like in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's full of meaning, the gift of encouragement. In other words, I want you to leave here today so encouraged with your hearts, so full with good news that you will actually overflow with encouragement for others. True, godly encouragement. I'm going to give to you this morning the gift of encouragement. And it's going to happen in two ways. Look look at what the Apostle Paul says here today. Here's the first way that he encourages fellow Christians. This is true encouragement. Look with me at verse 4. The Apostle Paul says this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. 
So here's the first truth about true encouragement, okay? True encouragement is always based in the Word. See? Now that should be sort of a no-duh, right? (laughs) Okay, true encouragement is always based in the Word. True encouragement always comes from God's promises, That's what he's saying. True encouragement comes from looking at the people of faith in the past, and there God says, you have enough hope to keep going, to keep shining, to keep enduring. True encouragement is always word-based. Now that, I want to do a comparison for you now. We often think of of encouragement in this way, that encouragement comes when we praise somebody. And I want you to understand that that's not encouragement, not biblical word-based encouragement. Like, and I, think about it this way. I could, I could try to encourage the mothers who are here this morning with words of praise. And I could come to all, all, the, all the mothers here this morning and I could say, moms, what a group of moms that we have. There are no mothers like you out there. You are the best mothers on the face of planet Earth. And you know what all the mothers are going to think? I think. They're going to think, liar. You haven't seen me at home. You haven't seen me raise my voice. See, mothers know deep down that words of praise are not really going to get it done. They're not really encouraging. We could say, but what if you said to mothers this? A true word of encouragement. This is from Psalm 33. Dear mothers, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our strength and He is our shield. What happens to the mother's heart? Oh, now I'm encouraged, right? Now I'm encouraged to go home and and give it my best because I know who my strength is. See, True encouragement is not praise, although that's nice too. True encouragement is always word-based. It's always based in the promises of God. The Apostle Paul wants you to know that. Now, there's, here's the second gift of encouragement then. Look at Romans uh, 15, verse 12. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Now, in a sense, in a sense he's building up to this. Like, he's got... Not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four, but five quotes from the Scriptures. So that should tell you something about biblical encouragement. But he's building up. A lot of people actually think that here in Romans, we have the theological culmination of everything that the Apostle Paul taught in Romans. And Romans is a big deal. We know this. He, he's culminating. He's, he's like arriving at the top of the mountain And the top of the mountain for him is the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he says. This is verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. It's easy when you read 
this part of Romans 15 to kind of let your eyes glaze over and be like, okay, here's just another quotation from Scripture. But I want to see if we can open up this verse for you. You know the part about Jesse, right? Jesse was David's father. So Isaiah is saying someone is coming from the line of David. That's the part that you get, but what about the root? Who wants to be a root? In a sense, like, a root's a good thing. It's, it gives life and vitality to the whole rest of the tree or the plant, but who wants to be a root? But there's something beautiful about this too, isn't there? Because what is God saying to us in these verses? He's saying Jesus is our root. Jesus, in a sense, goes into the death. He goes into the dirt. He goes into the sin. And He's buried there in it. Do you see that? And then the verse continues and says, one will arise. And now, now I want you to start like thinking like messianically, like think about Easter. <laughs> one who is buried in the filth, in the death, and out of this stump, out of this lifelessness, one arises triumphantly with life for all. And his name is Jesus. That's encouraging, isn't it? See, here's the second truth about encouragement that I need you to really get. True encouragement is not only word-based, it is also centered in Jesus Christ. Yes? It is always centered in Jesus Christ. Think about what the Apostle Paul is saying. Whatever is dead in your life, whatever sins are there, whatever death you're going through right now, in the middle of all that, Jesus is there. And when we're connected with Him, what happens? True life in His holy That's encouraging. I could, uh, I could send you out here today and I could praise you. I could do that. I could try to encourage you with words of praise and say, you guys are a great church. I love you. There's no church like you guys. I could criticize you if I wanted to. I could sort of be partisan about it. But I don't think that's where we get our true encouragement. Try this on. I want to encourage you right here and right now with the Word of God centered in Jesus Christ with an Advent encouragement. Think about this, dear Christian. Think about this. He came for us. 
Doesn't that just fill your heart? The infinite God, the creator of everything, the Word became incarnate. Such is His love for you that the infinite God became an infant and His only goal was to die for you. That is His love for you. He was planted in the ground so that He would rise again triumphantly to give you life, unending life in His name. That God who came once is still with you. We call Him Emmanuel. God with us. Are you encouraged? (laughs) I am too. Amen.